Today on Inside the Ropes, a very special chance to catch up with both Minji and Minwoo Lee together at home in Perth. We speak to Wade Ormsby in Adelaide and we pay special tribute to a legend of Australian golf. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes episode number 165. Big show to come. We got, we're got we going over to the uh, Lee's house in Perth, Minji and Min Woo. We're going to drop by for a chat. We're going to catch up with um, Wade Ormsby as well. Uh, looking forward to having a chat to those three, as I am these two. Mark Hayes wouldn't be Inside the Ropes, as I say, every week without him. Hello, Hazy. Hello, Murray, and I just want to commend you on your command of the numbers of Inside the Ropes in this COVID period. It's been exemplary. Thank you. I've really lifted. Uh, hello to you, Matty Cutler. Hello, Andy. Hello, Hazy. Disappointed. Uh, everybody can uh, can hear, obviously, and uh, you can't necessarily see. We're doing this still remote. We're on uh, on a Skype chat, and those who've got good memories a few weeks ago when Matt Cutler was last on the show, he was in his backyard. And we heard the rattling of the uh, trains passing by on the Sandringham line or whatever line it is. And he's inside today. So we don't have the ambiance of, uh, of your backyard. We don't, uh, Andy. Um, the Mentone Railway Crossing Tunnel has just begun. So I thought I'd uh, wander inside and uh, <laughs> try and get us out of those elements. So you get a, a level crossing being taken away. Is that what's happening in your neck of the woods? Yes, I'm. I'm not near the level crossing. I'm uh, down near the dumping area where um, <laughs> metro trains decide to put all their rocks and stuff. So yeah, the joys. They seem to do it between four a.m. and seven a.m. Oh yeah, we got one of those pretty close to our place too. Here, right near Clifton Hill Station. They're good at that. Um, now, all right, let's get some some stuff out of the way before we uh, have a break and head over to Perth. It's, it's been a fascinating week. A, a fascinating week. Golf has been reflected. Uh, brilliantly and very badly uh, in various conversations, uh, represented, I should say, in very well and very poorly in several conversations. Uh, the match number two, uh, I don't know how much of it you two watch, but it, it was a surprisingly good visual a viewing experience, surprisingly good in, on a terrible day down there in Florida. Coverage, tick. Performance of the four players, tick. Uh, it was the the result, the outcome, a massive tick in terms of raising, you know, over twenty million bucks for COVID relief and the numbers of people watch it. I, I put to you, it was a this was a towering, and I don't believe in any of this stuff, but I thought this thing was a towering success. You go, Maddie. No, you go. I want to. I want to just stand by for your opinions. Well, I um, I didn't catch it live, but did uh, did look at some highlights afterwards and. Uh, Everything I saw, I didn't mind. I, it, it certainly, for me, catching highlights only, it lacked atmosphere, but obviously yep. the build-up wasn't there and and no crowds. But I thought what I saw from the four people involved was that they were into it big time. Um, the content and the way they put that together looked superb. Like, all the little things seemed to work, even cart cam. Yep. Um I think the Phil Mickelson sort of chipping masterclass was very cool. He's, I've, I've done a 180 about face on Phil. I thought he was a bit of a flog on uh, social media <laughs> early days, but uh, he he is genuinely funny and entertaining. 
Um, I, I thought it was good, and and I think Justin Thomas uh, has his second career in the bag already. Mm, agree, agree, agree on all of that. Hazy, you, you look like you may have something on the contrary to add. No, no I, gen- I mean, I'm like you, Andy. I don't really wind up to watch this sort of oh, contrived so- event. But I will say, uh, in the little that I did watch, and I would, same as Matty, I wasn't going to get up at 5 o'clock to watch it, but I did watch extended highlights and I read a bit about it. So uh, it, from what I saw, it was much better in terms of engagement with the, with the people who matter than it was the week before when we saw the um, the Rory McIlroy episode, which was a pity. Uh, that was far more, I guess, polished maybe or attempted to be polished in the in the commentary booth area and neglected the talent that people are tuning in for. Uh, I, I would like to see proper alternate shot. I'd like to see anything that's funky and different. I really think the back nine looked different to the front nine where – there were all sorts of scores possible because of the amateur nature of Brady and Manning. So, I mean, that it was still sort of an Ambrose version of uh, foursomes is, you know, a start but not great as far as I was concerned. But, look, the whole thing here is it, it, it garnered a lot of interest and the focus was on the right thing. And the more times we see different things in my – I keep harping on this – uh, than 72 whole metal play in golf to highlight what it can be and the interest it can generate, the far better off we are. It's yeah. much easier to follow when you see Peyton Manning having a putt for X billion dollars than it is um, in the second round of a tournament, you know, when they're on opposite sides of the course or different courses or da da da. So to me, a winner for uh, the community's um, perception of golf tournaments. It, it, it took us back to, and again, you two probably aren't old enough to remember this, but. Uh, pro celebrity golf was pretty big when I was a kid growing up. And, and it took you back to that a little bit. The pros were excited about spending time with the celebrities. It wasn't two pros playing two pros. And when you had two pros playing two pros, there's a bit of, you know, there's all the pecking order and the high rate. There's still a bit of that as much as I want to leave that behind. You can tell Woods and, and Mickelson, they were getting a kick out of being with, with these two iconic players from another sport who, while, you know, Brady really struggled with his swing, uh, but, but they, um, they, had, they had a blast, I reckon, playing with the two quarterbacks. So they were excited. Uh, it was not unusual. You know, they, they get to play with masters of industry and elite sports people all the time, these blokes in pro-ams. But this was a slightly different setting, Matty, and I, I, think, I think you could tell the two golfers really enjoyed it. Yeah, they did. And what I liked in reverse, too, was how nervous – that Brady and Manning were playing golf, which is great because you see them doing their own craft and, and they're the best in the world and, and you don't see nerves. So to see them out of their comfort zone was was actually pretty cool. So 5.8 million people watched it, had a peak of 6.3 million, which were, were blue cable uh, TV channel numbers uh, out of the water. It was it outrated from a cable TV perspective, and, and this is a little depressing. It outrated any major championship round ever on cable <laughs> television uh, in the states. So, so no round ever that's been on cable TV in America has rated that many people in a major championship, which is a it says a bit about the power of the cult of personality. I suspect you know the, the Brady Manning thing and how they brought a whole new audience to to the coverage, which. While we might lament the fact that not that many people or not as many people as this watch traditional major championship golf, imagine how many, hopefully, of all of these millions that they brought over, the two footballers, hopefully, you know, a 
tens or maybe a hundred thousand of them stick, and we've got a whole new audience uh, or number added to the, the to the golf audience out there. That, that's a hundred percent correct from from my perspective, Andy. And and you know, I got to be a caveat on that because most of the major championships are on free to wear in that's the United true. States. So, but point taken. And, and you know, if, if you it wouldn't even have to be ten thousand. If you had a thousand new golfers emanate from that program, it's just it's just mashing success. Mm. Um, it does say about the cult of personality, but it also shows you what happens when players do not uh, withdraw back into themselves and give a bit of themselves. Yep. So yep. Tiger becomes the real Tiger. He interacts with other celebrities. Uh, Charles Barkley takes the um, the urine out of a few things. Uh, Justin Thomas was very innovative, as Matty points out. You know, it, when you see the normality and the humanity of people rather than the, some contrived uh, PC stuff, that's when people get engaged. Here, here. No, no, it was great. It was really good. Uh, Tiger should never wear shorts again. He, unless he's, unless somebody's going to actually help him out here, he should. He, he clearly, he don't know what he's doing with shorts. Shorts and Tiger Woods do not go well together. Oh, I, I, I disagree. What? I Oh, no, Hazy. Hazy, Hazy. The shorts were way too big, way too long. Oh, no, no that was a bad, bad look. Uh, this, is, this is a man who's come up as a teenager through the Jalen Rose, you know, dragging around your ankles sort of period of basketball shorts. This was this was good from him. I, thought, I liked it. Matty? No. Speechless. Hazy. Horrendous. <laughs> People can evolve. Fashion changes. Exactly. And he wasn't having a shoot around. He's playing golf. So get with the program, Tiger. Um, uh, the Brady shot, by the way, that will be the watched most shot in golf in 2000. There will not be one single shot played in golf for the rest of 2020 that will be watched by as many, or seen by as many people as that holdout wedge that he that he that he produced. It had it had every element. The uh, the sound mic fell out at the back. He split the pants. <laughs> Um, and then it just uh, screwed back into the hole like it was on a leash. It was amazing. Um, a bit of tour sauce on it, didn't it? My word, it did. It fizzed right back into the hole. It was going to go 20 feet past had it not hit the stick. Hey, um, before we get to a break and speak to the Lees, why is there, um, why is there a, a campaign in Victoria and New South Wales at the moment, Sydney and Melbourne probably more so, why is there a campaign against public golf courses and their claim to occupy space? We've had Clover Moore up in Sydney saying what she said about Moore Park. And Dave Hughes, who may not be known to everybody, but he's pretty well known people to people down here and around Australia. He put out a tweet the other day saying that um, you know, public golf courses in a city, space shouldn't be used for golf. It should be given over to public space and public access. It's like there's a little campaign being waged against the game from a public and inner suburban, in a sense, kind of um, position at the moment. What's, what, why, are we, why are we up against this? Why are we facing this new challenger? I would have thought that Dave Hughes, um, and this is very hard for me to say, Andy, is a fellow Western District boy, but probably should stick to trying to find some humour in some TV shows that he's on. I don't want to say too much, but that might be a start rather than making comments on the, the validity of public golf. Uh, is that all right? Have I said no, that too That's fine. No, no, no. Are you suggesting Husey has a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Very sharp, Matty. I like that. Um, well, 
I would just say, Andy, that, you know, Clover Moore is on a, I mean, we don't have to worry about Husey so much as Clover Moore from a golf perspective. And she's on a, she's on a big mission here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, timing is paramount to what she's done because it's my understanding that she doesn't have an election coming up. So there's no sort of repercussions if people go bananas at what she's doing mm. um, in the immediate future for her, which is uh, very disappointing. Um, some might say it's smart politics, but, you know, the numbers of – are there more non-golfers than golfers? Yes. You know, are, are the non-golfers going to be greedy uh, or are they going to look at it and say, no, golf has a, an aspect of um, physicality, mental health, well-being, community, all these sorts of things. I'm not sure that non-golfers are going to do that. So it's, it's really going to be up to everyone involved rather than ranting about it to try and, you know, educate everyone else to the, to the benefits of golf more broadly. I cannot believe that you would have a facility that generates 60,000 rounds plus every mm. year, three kilometres from Martin Place, so successful that she would denigrate it what it is. It's providing a quarter of the money that Centennial Park, the greater precinct of Centennial Park, needs to operate every year. Mm -hmm. There's so many reasons to keep that alive, not least of which is it's going to give very rare um, uh, physical physical um, chance for you know physical uh, applications for all the people who are moving in there. And that Zetland area, which is so central to that, it's going to have. I heard I read somewhere today that it's going to have the density of New York City, like Manhattan in the next 20, 25 years. Yeah, what are right. they gonna, how are they going to go and do their, um, you know, their physical exercise? And some mm. will say, well, you know, we need parks and we need the golf land to have those parks. But, you know, there's so many places to walk through Centennial Park as it is. Uh, come on. God, this is – Moore Park is one of the great venues in Australian golf. It's not a tremendous course, but it serves the purpose of – that so many others would love to have. It, mm. uh, you know, if you took out Wembley in Perth, this is the premier inner-city golf course in Australia. Oh, you take this away. You lose this. You lose this now. And uh, one of the great uh, strings to that city's bow that it has, and that is this golf course and the facility that it offers, in amongst all the other things that that precinct offers from an outside green space outside perspective, um, you will – you, you should be condemned. History should condemn you for using something like this as a cheap point scoring. What's the right phrase to use here? But to, to get up on your get up on your soapbox and have a little moment moments victory for a couple. I think the history that history would judge you very poorly. I think if you were the one that drove golf out of this area, it, there is there is a, a case to be made that if there's only a couple of green areas there, if you start chomping into that, they're already doing that in terms of the high rise. You don't, you don't want to lose this space to recreational facilities, least of all golf, which is, you know, <laughs> there's so oh, many other benefits well, to it. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. I just want, I want to point out one thing, Andy, yeah. sorry. To, um, Rod Murray, a friend of this podcast, an occasional guest and, and, and sometimes host too, for that matter, mm. uh, wrote a fantastic piece yesterday uh, and it's on the Golf Australia magazine uh, website. Um, it's really impressive. I urge golfers to read it and and look, stay interested in this because if it's not in your city right now, and we're obviously you know uh, only talking to a minimal number of people directly affected in Sydney as we speak, but it is coming. This problem is coming to your hometown very soon. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, look, 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 if the golf course was um, abandoned by players and no one was using it and uh, all of the data was in decline and it was, if it, if it was that, if it was all of that, then you can make a really good case, I reckon, for saying, listen, we've maintained this thing, we've, it's, but it hasn't been used. It, it, it makes 60,000 rounds a year. It makes $4 million a year. Well, this is, this is self-generating. This thing is looking after itself and allowing um, the local council to, to do more to that park region without asking for more taxpayer-funded money. Well, uh, you'd be crazy to turn your back on that. Oh, I would have thought so anyway, but um, there's, a, there's, other, there's other games that play when politicians are involved and that'll all come to light, I think, in the passing of time. Um, anything else before we get to the Lees? Any, anything else in this first segment before, you, that we get to, before we get to Minji and Minwoo? Matty looks pretty like he's got something to say there. I really want him to erupt. No, no, I, I think you guys have said it well. I think through this whole thing, we've seen that um, there's politicians that uh, go for the uh, the quick grab and there's politicians that um, that make the tough, strong calls and uh, maybe we're not seeing that in this instance. Play the long game. Yeah, I think you've said, you probably said what I wanted to say a whole lot better than I said it before. <laughs> hey, um, Minwoo and Min G, they're over in uh, Perth. They're at home. They won't have a chat. We'll get to them on the other side of this. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. What a treat this is, uh, Cutler and Hayes, to be able to take ourselves uh, from one side of Australia to the other into the Lee family household. I wonder whether this is the house that both Minwu and Minji grew up in. They've been good enough to join us on Inside the Ropes. Lovely to see you two smiling faces and your freshly cropped hair, Minwoo. Very, very impressive. Um, how are you two bearing up? What, 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 are you, what are you been, how have you been coping with this kind of crazy lockdown? You go first, Minji. Uh, no, it's been pretty good. We haven't really um, spent this much time at home before in a very long time. So all, all, um, all our families here, grand's here too. So a family of five right now. So very busy in the house and... We have a met. We have a net in the backyard. Um, my brother made it, but then with all the storms and stuff, um, it's sort of gone down. <laughs> but yeah, the- well, yeah. weather's been pretty brutal over there the last couple of days, by the sounds of it. Yeah, last couple of days. It was supposed to be the storm of the decade in Perth, but it wasn't. I don't think it was terrible, but um, it was pretty brutal for a little bit. Yeah. So you're back in the family home. This is the house that you two grew up in. Yeah, yeah, we grew up in this house. Kind of nice being back. Oh, well, I've always been here. It's more of her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, how long, Minji, since you've spent this much time at home? Well, I don't, I can't remember. Probably like maybe six, six or seven. I don't even know. Maybe longer than that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be home for my birthday, which is kind of weird. Which, <laughs> um, which Minji uh, happens to be tomorrow or Wednesday. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow and Wednesday, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday. Thank you. What's, what are the plans? No, nothing. nothing. I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to hang out. <laughs> Minwoo, Min just between – so, Minji, just imagine she can't hear you right now. You've got her a special birthday present, though, haven't you? As a loving younger brother, you've gone out of your way to organise something special for her? Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, that's why after this call, I might do something. <laughs> it's a bit late to order online. It won't turn up. It won't turn up in time. No. How are you two getting along, brothers and sisters? Can be a bit, uh, you know, when you get each other, at each other's throats a little bit when you spend too much time together. Are you getting on well with one another? Yeah, um, we're doing pretty good. When my sister's not in a mood, she's uh, she's cool to cope with. But um, yeah, it's no, going, it's he's going well. just the biggest drama queen ever. So. <laughs> no, we're going pretty good. Um, yeah. I think it's gone past that annoying stage and we've got to cope with each other because um, we don't know when this is going to end. So, uh, yeah, we're... No, it's been, it's been good. Um, we're managing. He, he um, goes out and plays tennis and stuff and I'm a, I go to the golf course, so half the time we're not seeing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dinner yeah. Time, you know, maybe breakfast. Um, yeah, we all just kind of do our own thing and it's been pretty chill. Knowing you, knowing you a little bit, Minji, I'm sure that you're loving the home cooking. That'd be about right, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I always have the luxury of having um home cooking. So uh, yeah, it's more no, me. It's, it's more me. It's more my brother. Yeah, <laughs> when me and Dad's at home, we get takeaway quite a bit. So it's nice uh, for Mum and Grandma to cook when we're when I'm and I'm home. So um, no, it's good. It's good. I. Uh, I've bulked a few kgs on because of that. I think you can you, you can tell by his face, can't you? Hey, yeah, you can a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So the Uber Eats ranking orders: one, two, three. What are not, not the shops in, but, but the cuisine uh, preferences? One, two, three. What are they amongst you and your dad? Uh, mine's Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, ours is Japanese. My, yeah, ours is Japanese. Yep. Um, we usually just get that. Yeah, <laughs> we just support our Japanese, local restaurant. Maybe, maybe pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah, once we had, in a while. Yeah, yeah. Just, but we don't really get Uber Eats too much. Yeah, because my mom and my nan cook all the time. But yeah, yeah. The legendary cooks, Andy. They are apparently like primo, primo cooks. Oh, I don't doubt that for one second. Um, so you two, I, I was reading uh, something a while ago about you, Minworld. Might have been a piece of Blakey wrote about you a while ago. I can't remember who wrote the story. It's irrelevant. And they're talking about you as being, you know, sort of trying to temper this kind of fiery, on-course sort of personality that you had. You called yourself fiery and you said you're working on that and you're getting a bit better as every kind of year goes by. And Minji, we've seen you play a lot of golf and, you don't display any fieriness at all on a golf course. You seem to be very in yourself and contained and measured and balanced. Is that, have you always had that sort of different personality on the golf course? And does that extend away from the golf course with you two? Uh, I I'm think, not sure. Well, I, I do that because I actually hit some nasty shots, but she doesn't hit some nasty shots. So I don't think there's anything to, uh, to express emotions about. <laughs> um, no, uh, we've always kind of been like that. She's always been like kind of like the sensible one and I've always been the loud and annoying one. So that kind of brings it brings it out on the course. So, um, yeah, I get a bit fiery, but, you know, I work on that a little bit and, you know, after a while there's, you know, there's no point really, you know, throwing, clubs, yeah. you know, yeah. being angry. So um, it, it helps a little bit. Obviously, with the fiery side, um, you know, just mellow it down a little bit, but still have some there because I think you do need some, um, you know, grit. Yeah, grit to, you know, get going. So, um, no, it's good. I think Minji needs a bit of that. (laughs) Would would you agree, Minji? I know, Hazy, but would you agree with that? I mean, does that – 
I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're not doing too many things wrong, by the way. You don't have to go changing anything terribly drastically, I wouldn't suggest. But do you, would you like to have, be a bit more, I don't know, animated, expressive, uh, emotional? Is that something that you, you'd like to have a bit more of that sort of in your game or are you comfortable the way you, you are out there? I think at times you need it, but it doesn't mean I don't have it. Like probably like inside I'm like, you yeah. know, I show it to myself, but I don't really show it like expressively out out loud. So yeah. um, I've never really been like that though, but um, my personality is pretty, I'm pretty mellow. So I don't, I don't really go too much up and down. Um, yeah. But I mean, it would be nice, I think just for the fans or my supporters to like see a little bit of my emotion. So, yeah. um, but it's a little bit hard when it's not really in your routine um, when you're playing to actually like show that. So I, I'm I'm not really sure where I go from that. Like, yeah, no, no. I've just done it for so long, you know. I just I, that's just who I am, and yep. yeah, she's not that good. So done. I think she has to start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll come to your golf in a second, Minji. But I mean, I wanted to ask you, you know, when we last had our eyes on you, you were wandering off into the sunset at Thirteenth Beach with a big trophy over your head, and you know cards coming at you and, and things unfolding in before all of our eyes. Can you believe what's happened or what's not happened since? And what, how does that made you feel like it's just been gut wrenching timing, I would imagine. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty, it was sweet just cause, um, you know, I lost my card. I missed out my full card by a shot, you know, in uh, October, November last year. And it kind of stung and, you know, we got, I think 20 tournaments, uh, for this year, if it was a regular season um, with just my category, but obviously the lower tournaments um, and not the bigger tournaments. So uh, it was nice to get it and get the benefits from it. Um, obviously, I can't really do much and show what I've got this year, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for the next couple of years. And um, yeah, it was just, it was so special that, um, you know, it was my sister's first pro win as well. So that that was kind of nice. I didn't know until the end of, tournament but um yeah no it was special and uh hopefully a few more of that that feeling you get when you win um but now you you just look back and say oh you've won but you got you got more things to do and um you want to win more tournaments so it's it, it's nice it's obviously nice and um yeah i'm just looking forward to next time we play Speaking of that, guys, what is the, what are the plans? I think LPGA is due back um, late July, and Europe at a similar time. What are uh, what are your plans? Do you know what they are yet? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, well, the LPGA, I think they're just um, they don't know what it's going to be with the you know like when you have to two week quarantine once you get to like maybe the UK or France or you know things like that. So they I think they're trying to figure all that stuff out. But we, I think we have like two of, at the moment, um, we have like two events in the States and then we go to the UK for three weeks. So uh, we'll see how we go with that. And I, I'm sure they'll update us every week. So, yeah. 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 Things, it seems pretty tough with the schedule. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's uh, confirmed yet, but um, yeah, we're not sure. I mean, I think America's starting next month and the PJ tour and then we don't really get to play anything until August. So I don't know how the world rankings will work that way. And 
Uh, I'm not saying it's unfair, but it kind of is. And like, we don't know if we can go travel. And um, so I don't know we're just looking forward to whenever we're playing, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if late July will happen or the girls world rankings um, stopped the ladies. So they're just playing. So yeah, whoever, oh, okay. whoever plays, they just like, you know, the Korean tour, they're just playing without any of, of the ranking, like the yeah, points playing, going to yeah. the world rankings. So. That's what I wanted to ask you, Minji. I assume you watched the KLPGA last week when it was on telly. Um, were you excited or were you sort of dark that you weren't there? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not really that too, too fast. I, I saw them playing and it kind of looked a little weird because there was no one like no one there, like no um, fans. So it was kind of weird to see on um, on the telly. I just saw a little bit of the last day. Um, but yeah. Do, Can you, do, you, yeah. Do, you, do you think that how's that going to impact upon you when you get out there? Cause it's going to be the same. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, I like having crowds, but I don't know. I guess I, I don't think I I don't really know because I have not played, but it's gonna be it's gonna be so weird. Like you're, you're talking about your schedule, Minji, and um, you know Evian, and then the Open Championship at Troon. And if yeah. you've been if you've been to Troon to see um, you know a, 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 any sort of championship golf, which which I have, and I'm, I don't know about Maddie and Hazy, but when you get to the little par three and you get to that little sort of corner of the course, it is generally crammed with people. Like you. It'll be bizarre to play a championship like that with no one there. Yeah, I think I think so too. Yeah. I mean, definitely the majors will be very strange. Mm. But are you yeah. still? I mean, I, don't know. I feel like it's going to be weird. But I feel like you're there to win anyway, so it shouldn't really well, matter no, too no. much. Um, so I, I mean, I mean, I don't think it will like bother you in any way. But you know, like just, you can't you can't the, wait just to like anyone. sort of the. <laughs> Yeah, like if you have a good hole, then it, it, you expect like collapse, or you know, yeah. like it's probably you and Yeah, just support yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is, isn't it, that um, all of us, even you two included, we play like cuts, Hazy and I play 100% of our golf in front of no one. You guys play, you would play a large percentage of your golf with no one around. Like when you go to, you know, Fremantle for a hit or, you know, it's the obviously from a pro perspective, there's people around, but you still would play a lot of golf when there's, you know, you're playing just with your mates and no one else. Yeah, it's probably yeah, it's probably more yeah. me, I guess, because she plays more of a full schedule. But um, you know, there's a couple of times when you're just at home, you play you play on the course. But I don't know. I feel like last year I didn't play too much on the course because so it's so it's so busy. Yeah, the yeah, schedule, right. Okay. Yeah, you know, the schedule's so busy that you're in and out and you don't want to burn yourself out too much over here unless you've got like a month break, you'll, you know, get back on the course. But yeah, we haven't really thought about it. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, we play without a crowd and. I think most, yeah. but when we're home, most times we're like by ourselves. So it's not like going to be super weird or anything. Need to, uh, need to just go back to what your amateur days were like with, with yeah. no crowds. Um, <laughs> we were clapping for us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what have you, um, particularly for Minji, golf's been everything for the last 10 years. What have you learned about yourself and the game in the last few months? 
do you realize you've got a bigger hunger for it or maybe there's other things i don't know i mean yeah i mean i feel like i've been really i just like kind of raced through those like part the last like five years like just i played a really full schedule every year and um i i don't know like it feels nice to be home but i would like to be playing right now um i just feel like it's the time right now is like all the time that I had to rest in the past five years. So like I can do whatever I want while I'm home. So it, it's been really nice. It, it's been really relaxing and um, I could sort of be on my own time schedule. So if I wanted to sleep in till 12, then I could, but. Um, and but she has. If, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you wanted to go to golf, you could go to golf or you don't have to like, I just had the luxury of that, so it's been it's been very different, but really nice at the same time. So the opposite of that, Minji, is going to come for you, presumably later this year, if things are normal. If you're yeah. playing tour championships and U.S. Women's Open through into almost up to Christmas, yeah, then you come home, and I know you love the Aussie Open and Vic Open, so it's going to be not much of a break there, is there? No, but I don't I don't think I really mind not having a break there. I feel like we we have we won't play for what half a year now, so yeah, it won't be too bad. I don't think. Mm-hmm. You're still playing the piano? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I I only no. remember like two songs, and that's it. Really? Yeah. I we, actually, I actually we, did for a bit, but then we don't we, even have the piano yeah, anymore. Dad gave away. We oh did. no! Really? To other little kids, though, yeah. they they learn piano. Yeah. <laughs> When you go to a golf club or a bar or whatever and there's a piano in the corner and it's not being used, do you find yourself sort of being drawn to it and just start playing away just to, you know, for, to rekindle the old, the old feel? No, nah, I wasn't that good. I, I, one time I was, um, I was having a piano lesson and I fell asleep. So <laughs> I don't think piano was my thing, to be honest. Right, right okay. Um, and have you got any kind of, have you been like everybody else? Have you been cramming into the old Netflix and streaming stuff? Have you found anything in there that uh, until COVID-19 rolled around, you weren't aware of that now you're just kind of telling everybody who's prepared to listen, you've got to watch this. Have you got a recommendation for us? Yeah. I've always got a few recommendations. Um, uh, money heist is good. It's Spanish. It's Spanish, but it's, you know, it's good story. Uh, Prison Break is pretty good. I watched The Witcher. Did you I, like it? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I started watching it. Yeah. 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 But Mingo said it kind of, is kind of slow, but I think no, it, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Uh, That's just what people. Said. I think I think it's, it was good. Sort of like builds up to, but yeah. then now I want more. So I'm like, yeah, yep. yeah. I want to know about the, the Min, Min Woo's haircut, Minji, because I want to hear it from you. Is it something that he's done himself, or is it something that you sort of tricked I'm him into, girl. or? Well, fade, <laughs> baby. <laughs> you should see the back. It's like, it's like super short. That's real. He went by himself. That was all on his own accord. So, yeah, it's it's a massive flyer out of that. It's like totally different to what he always does. He's like usually <laughs> like really kind of long on on top and the sides. So. Yeah. Cut it short. He needs, he needs a different. Yeah, need I, need different. different. I need ISO min in ISO. <laughs> it's real. Um, it's got a real bit of sort of Elvis nineteen sixty four about it. I reckon when he 
did a bit of you know army time or something, and he kept a little bit on top. But if you go back, and, if you Google image Elvis Presley, uh, you'll find a bit of that about what you've got going there. It's pretty impressive, I reckon. I think it looks better than what his hair was before, though. Yeah, it was a bit long. So, yeah. Came down to here. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. agree. <laughs> uh, little drive-by, Matty. Nice work. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Hey, good luck to you guys. Good to see you smiling. Enjoy the home cooking while you can. Uh, thanks for giving us a bit of your time today. All the best. And we can't wait to see you both back out there hammering that little white thing around all over the world. Good luck uh, when you get there. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thanks, guys. Good night. At home with the Lees. Fantastic to catch up with two of our fine, fine young players. We're going to break out of the way on Inside the Ropes. When we come back, Wade, Wade Ormsby is going to join us for a chat. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Great to spend some time uh, with the Lees over in Perth and they're at one end of the Australian golfing, pro golfing spectrum and wouldn't suggest that Wade Ormsby's necessarily the other just yet, but he's sort of approaching it and he's been good enough to join us from his home in, I imagine you're at home in Adelaide, Wade. Thanks for joining us on the show. No problem, guys. Glad to Is be that, on. Is that where we get you? Are you, are you back in tranquil Adelaide? No, nah, exactly. I'm in um, Stirling and Adelaide Hills, so it's beautiful up here at the moment. All the leaves have just dropped, so uh, it's a nice time to be home. What's your golf look like? What have you been doing? What, what, how, give us the, the kind of the golf component of your life over the last couple of months. Um, well, we just um, we just had a baby daughter about seven weeks ago, so the timing from that front was pretty good. So I took perfect. about five weeks off, or four or five weeks off from touching the club. So that was perfect timing, and then I'm. Um, Started to get a bit itchy, so I thought I'd get back out there and play. Obviously, with practice restrictions, and luckily the golf courses over here haven't been closed, but they've had quite a few restrictions in place. So it's just been more of a, a play in two ball type scenario. So I've been doing that every Monday and Friday with my dad at Royal Adelaide, and then slotting in a few Saturday mornings as well. So three rounds of golf, no practice, and um, and the game is reflecting the no practice component. <laughs> <laughs> See, some of us, some of us actually convince ourselves that we're better first up after a spell. But clearly, uh, in the pros game, you're, you're a bit more attuned to the good rather than the rough. You, you, you know what a good game looks like and feels like. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's actually quite interesting because we've never been through this kind of phase, this pattern before. You know, like I said, it's like five or six weeks off, which is a little bit longer than what I normally would do, and then I had a net here at home and started hitting some balls and set track man up and all the numbers were pretty good and the speeds were pretty good and then the brain starts ticking and you tune it to a standstill and um, it doesn't really work too well again. So, um, yeah, I'm just really going to start getting back into my practice now. Um, just like I said before, the golf clubs have pretty strict kind of practice regimes in place and how the practice fairway works to have everyone accounted for down there. So um, you just got to adhere to those rules and try to get back to a similar regime as what I had before because I'm a big ball hitter, if that makes sense. I hit a lot of balls and don't really play much when I'm at home. So um, that's a massively important component to the way I prepare for tournament golf is to hit a ton of golf balls and... Um, work through that process so I'm pretty eager to get back into that before the middle of winter hits. So what's what's harder Wade, knocking the rust off or changing nappies? Uh, man, I've, got, I've got pretty good at changing nappies but um, yeah like I said every time you come back it's always a little bit different so um, no nah, she's been a great baby, she's sleeping well so I think um, the wife's happy that I've been able to be home and taking the pressure off each other so that's been pretty good but um, yeah I'm just I'm starting to 
irritate my wife a little bit just by <laughs> how much I want to get out there practicing and you kind of all these little things are different to what they were before so you just got to work through the little issues and um, you just can't roll down the golf club and run your own program you've got to plan a little bit more and um, make sure you adhere to the rules in place you, you, you've been doing this for a while Wade you know hitting the golf ball and playing professionally I, I wonder coming into 2020 off the back of the two or three years leading into it did you feel like you're this was as good as you'd ever been consistently? You're as as sharp and as as, as at the top of your game professionally. Yeah, as I you've think, been? yeah. I think anyone that knows me, you know, I'm one of these type of people that I'm never happy with it. So you're always grinding. There's always stuff to learn. There's so many things that you can do to get better. You know, so um, yeah, I guess I I knew I'm a chance to rock up to quite a few tournaments and have a chance to win if i can say it like that around certain venues so that's definitely changed in my head and i knew i was prepared to challenge a bit more from that point of view and yeah i've been doing a long time and you guess you work out a little bit more about yourself and what kind of joints suit you and how you can approach that but um i've made quite a few changes in the last two or three years really trying to get better you know i feel like i'm in the good part of my career i took a long time to learn i uh, did a lot of my learning on tour you know i got my card so quick so yeah. I had to learn out there where a lot of guys come through and get right at the top of amateur golf. And, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, kind of yes and no to your answer, you know. I think I'm, yeah, I am ready to play some of the best golf in my life. I'm a little bit bummed that I can't have a full crack at this season, but I'm sure there'll be more opportunities to come. Yep. What are some of the changes, Wade, you uh, referred to? Uh, what, what areas have you been working on? Well, I had a real good re-evaluation of um, – all of my game, to be honest. Um, I've always been one that I can hit it really good sometimes, but it's just not there consistently enough. So I changed across to, I can't remember when it was, probably 18 months ago, two years maybe, to a Robert Rock kind of academy group of guys. I worked with a guy called Liam James there. I had the intention of working with Rocky when I moved across there. And um, Rocky's fantastic, but he's still playing. So um, just getting the time that I wanted probably um, wasn't that easy. So I've gone across to Liam. Liam teaches Westwood and um, Matt Wallace is probably his model kind of action. So Liam's young. He's massively passionate about what he does and he's got an amazing ability to um, transfer over information. So that's been a huge part to what I do out there because he's there every week and I can lean on him as much or as little as I want. So that's the first component. Short game, I've gone with Adrian Wickstein, who's a local guy here in Adelaide, um, just to kind of keep on top of that, it's been a part of my game, which I feel like I've always been pretty strong in. Definitely my chipping and bunker play and all those pitching has always come pretty natural to me. Um, but I think putting, I could have got more consistent. So um, we kind of got a bit of a plan in place. I get on really good with Wiki. We speak the same language and um, we do a lot of work from that um, perspective. And he's here local, so he can keep me sharp, you know, because obviously – the Robert Rock guys are all over in the UK doing a lot of stuff by video when I'm not on the road. So that has its challenges, but it works quite well because I can get to get it to a certain point and polish it up on the road. So, and then the last part is um, the old head, which um, always needs work. So, um, yeah, I started working with Noel Blundell at the back or hang on the start of 2020. And the first week I worked with him, I won. So that's that kind of, um, yeah. Noel's a bit of a freak and got my head working the right direction. So um, that's going to be something I keep tapped into as the season goes on to, goes on. 
So, so I'm fascinated by that. You know, you, what you guys do is so technical and, and routine based and, you know, all of that. And, and then you, you talk about this thing you do with somebody like Noel. When you, can you remember out there that week and actually having the things that he, you and he have been talking about, can you remember having it kind of rolling around in your head in between shots as you're preparing? Was it, was it with you the, the whole time that week? Hundred percent, mate. With me yeah. every, every minute, the every minute, every step of the way around there, you know. And that's whether you look at Tiger Woods or any of these guys, or Adam Scott. Everyone looks in autopilot, but they're working so hard in their head to make sure we can squeeze the most out of ourselves. You know, it's not easy trying to compete at that level. I'm not saying it's unattainable, but it's just it's more like um, you're always trying to squeeze every little bit out of it, you know, and I felt like I was leaving someone on the table. I said to someone at Christmas time after, I felt like I ditched the Aussie PGA, you know. I know mentally is the thing that completely cost me that golf tournament and it just killed me for two weeks and, I, and it was actually my wife that says, you've got to do something about this before you go back on the road. I'm not going mm. to deal with it anymore. So <laughs> I sat on the couch and did a bit of Googling and researching and I come up with Noel and um, again, I just clicked with him. He, he's good. He just called the spade a spade and that's the way I want it. I don't want anyone just kind of give me all the kind of frilly stuff. I want someone to give me exactly what it, just tell me exactly how it was and how a process to work to. And um, that's what we put in place. And I had a bunch of notes written in my yardage book and I churned it out and we got it done. That's great. Um, and before we get too far away from Robert Rock, Hazy knows what I'm about to ask you next. Is his hair, when you're, when you're, when you're close to him, is his hair as perfect in real life as it appears on television? Yeah, it's a beautiful head of hair, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> God, it's magnificent. I'm no, so interested. character, Rocky. No, he's a, he's a laugh too. So, um, again, like, you've got to have guys that you click with, you know. So, same time, you know, whenever you're putting a caddy on the bag, a coach or a mental guy, you need people that you enjoy being around because you're around these guys so much. And if you're like, oh, here he comes type thing, you know, you're just not going to have a good working relationship. So, I've got a good relationship with all the guys I work with now and, and you and, and like a lot of it's just about managing, not managing people, but the relationship. You know, you've got to get on. You've got to want to be around these people. You've got to want to work with these guys, and they're going to want to go the same places you want to go. So um, that's what I feel like I've got in place now. And um, if everyone's pulling in the right direction, well, you're only going to get better if everyone's pulling. Yeah. And, uh, so, wait, if you, I think you wear a Titleist hat. Is that right? Exactly. Does he get paid not to wear a hat, like by Weller Bolson or something? Because it's just—it's amazing that someone can spend Weller that much Bolson. time time in the sunshine and not, you know, be affected. Yeah, no, I don't think he's paid not to wear one. I think he just—he um, kind of runs his own show. He's always kind of carried the bag that he wants to carry and use the clubs he kind of wanted to use. That's just been Rocky, you know. He's—he's he's, um, what's the word? No, he just does what he wants to do, you know. He's just a, he's a really nice guy too and um, he's always getting lent on by a lot of players and too and has done for years about the golf swing and now he's taken to the next level with teaching a bunch of guys. He's got a really good stable out there. We all work to, um, together. We're always asking each other questions and everyone's kind of on this big train to get better and that's kind of a cool feeling So, um, to be part of that out there. Mate, do you, you've... As Andy sort of intimated before, you you know you're towards the second half of your career. I won't put it, I won't put you straight out into the vet, veterans oh, category yet. No, but, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but you've you've done a lot of stuff. Um, we say off Broadway, perhaps in an Australian golf fans sense. You know, you did the university thing. You spent a lot of time in Asia and Europe. 
does it bug bug you not to be recognized or does it motivate you to be recognized or are you just happy sort of plodding along i mean this has been a great career you've been up in the top 100 in the world for example and i know you've probably got aspirations a lot higher again yeah i don't know about the not recognized part of that doesn't really phase me i think there's some good things that come with that as well you know some of the guys up there they cop it pretty hard sometimes but um i guess when you start out you just want to make a career in golf you know i went over to college and i knew i had to go to get better and but i kind of didn't want to go because i was so close to my family i've got a really tight-knit family here in adelaide but i'm a driven type of person i want to achieve the most that i possibly could so i went off to houston we had a fantastic college team only carried a few small uh, a few guys seven or eight guys in the squad so i knew i was going to get a hit on the team and then we're a really good college team we kind of a bunch of overachievers which i don't think that's disrespectful saying that the guys that were there everyone just really wanted to play for each other and you found a way to shoot 72 when you should have shot 76 i think that's the thing that really taught me how to knuckle it out and then after Three years of college, I remember sitting down with mum and dad and said, I'm either done, I'm either going to finish and go and finish my degree or I'm going to go and have a crack at turning professional. And um, we said, all right, let's come home. Let's work really hard for six months and go to Aussie Q school. And that's the plan that mum and dad and I come up with. And I did that. And fortunately, it went the right way. But I was still grinding, you know, like I was was still remember driving all over Australia the first year, playing pro-ams and trying to put some money in the bin and playing Bonita events. And then I bought a round-the-world ticket went over and played five or six nationwide qualifiers. I remember all those spots and I got into one in Canada I think, in a playoff and made the cut on the number and finished eighth and then I'm away. You know, I was playing really good and then I got my card on the back of that round the world um, ticket. I went to London and I won stage one of the European Tour qualifiers. So all of a sudden your brain starts thinking, well, I'm good enough to turn pro. Well, I'll turn pro and I'm good enough to con- contend here. And then I went back and I finished second at finals at European Q school. That kind of gets back to where I was saying um, um, I did a lot of my learning on the main tour because I got my card straight away and I'm in the deep end. I'm first time I go out to the desert or halfway in contention for two tournaments. You're like, wow. But you learn how to, I learned how to ditch tournaments out on tour and I was learning really quick and I didn't have all those little steps in between that a lot of guys have. So it was a bit of a grind there for a while. Does it? Does it? Um, you've had good success in Hong Kong, particular, you know, obviously this year as well. Does it? Is it flatten you that that doesn't open the doors that it might have otherwise had things been different up there? Um, it still will. It still will. Well, every win does. You know, your world ranking gets a big bump. So I'm on the back on the cusp of maybe getting a couple of those majors, and like the money list up there, wherever that. Wherever I finish on that at the end of the year, obviously I'm leading it now, but that's got a lot of things to play out there. So that's going to have a play out in 2021 to what I get into. So I just got to keep grinding away, mate. You know, I've always tried to position myself as well as I could to take advantage of every opportunity that I possibly could get from each two. I've always planned that way and, and tried to think as much as I possibly could about what minimums I've got to play on what tours in order to stay eligible for certain things. I reckon that's a real important thing for guys coming out, you know, not to shoot themselves in the foot by coming up one or two events short. You've always got to leave all your options open. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that throughout my whole career um, because some seasons you don't have good seasons and you've got to know that you've got that 25 to 30 events to possibly play the following year. So, um, um, so yeah, 
I'm not disappointed. Obviously, I won. I went up there to win a golf tournament, and then I won it. And there are things that are going to come of it. So, um, it's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, at the very outset, Wade, you talked about um, you know your game and and knowing where it's best suited and the sort of you know presumably the sort of courses that are you know more tailor made to you. I wonder yeah. whether you're at a stage now where you're happy to take and confident to take your game. Anywhere, anytime. You mentioned on the cusp of major. I would imagine you want to play, you know, more major championship golf, more WGC, get into the really big time. You know, you're right there now. Would you be confident that, you know, with a course that's got an extra 400 yards attached to it or whatever the number is, that your game's capable on a, on a good week of still, you know, competing on, on those sorts of courses? Yeah, well, I know exactly. I think, we, I think we're all well aware now with stats and – and results and everything else where our games stack up as far as what they kind of match. However, if you have a hot week with a putter, you can smash anyone anywhere. You can't out-ball strike a field, but you can out-putter field. So that's definitely up my sleeve. You know, I do it. I do hit it really straight, and I'm a great scrambler. Every year on tour, that's where I'm straight at the top of the stats, and I feel like I don't do anything different every year, you know. So, so straight away, you think, well, whether it's heavy rough or – penal conditions or blow-up holes or um, hard, fast greens, that's the kind of weeks that I want. However, um, long, soft pipe tracks are going to be more tricky for me. But um, like I said, going back to the start, you have a hot putter. Like There's places I've led golf tournaments around where they completely don't, they completely don't suit me, but um, you can get the putter going or you can just hit it solid for the week and get the putter going. You're going to be right in contention. So, yeah. There are advantages and disadvantages on the schedule, definitely. Yep. Speaking of that schedule, Wade, have you got any insight from Europe? Because all we seem to hear is sort of bad news from Europe with tournaments being sporadically cancelled or postponed or whatever. Have you got any update from headquarters? Oh, we are, we're getting regular emails, but nothing in the form of a, of a formal um, schedule yet. You know, I guess... Um, We've had to move around a little bit around like the US and all the majors get plugged in and the US get plugged in and we need to shuffle around that to try and maximise our strength of field at our major events. So I'm sure those guys are working overtime over there. Um, there's quarantining issues because we need to move through a lot more countries than what the American guys is. So that's the obvious challenge that we've got over there. So there's been chat of a block of events in the UK, but I haven't seen anything more of that. I still think our back end of our year is going to be pretty stacked in some really good events, but uh, I reckon we're going to hear something in the next week or two. And, um, yeah, it's kind of funny when you're trying to work hard getting back to the practice part, you know, how hard you push when you don't have a start date in mind. You know, you want to feel like you work flat out for three weeks and shut it down. It's just difficult to work that at the moment because we've never been in this situation before and you don't want to work at 60% because it feels like the game will go to 60%. So you've got to put your foot down, lay off it, put your foot down again. So that's kind of thinking that I'm going to go with. Speaking of putting your foot down, uh, you're still a motorhead. You still invite, you still love driving cars fast and watching all that sort of stuff. You're still... Yeah, I absolutely love my motorsport still. So, um, yeah. But unfortunately, you can't watch any of that either. All that's been shut down too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what what V8 supercars or supercars have done with that E series with the virtual racing has been pretty clever. I think it's been the envy of a lot of sports. You know how they've got to pull that together midweek in prime time. So 
I do love all that part of it. Maybe you can play uh, EA Golf or something. Um, well, I've done that TrackMan Golf tournament in Europe, but um, no, I'm not a massive fan of the simulators, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, leave that to the younger generation. Mate, we'll let you get back to all that meconium poo and uh, all the good things about having a seven a seven week old baby. Um, good luck. We can't. Uh, we said to Minji and Minwoo earlier. We can't wait to see you guys back out there. And uh, we're so well represented in this country by our golfers, both men and women. Um, it's been great watching you do what you've been doing the last couple yeah. of years, in particular, mate. So, good luck. Uh, let's hope there's more to come. And, um, Sure, there probably is. So thanks for coming yeah. and having a chat. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been nice to continue on the hot run. All the boys have had out the box. Boys and girls have had out the box in the first um, three three months of the year or two and a half months of the year. So uh, we'll be looking for a strong back end of the year and come back to Oz at the end of the year. It'd be nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the chat. Hey, boys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the show. Great to hear from him. And he is one of those players. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we, we joke about the golden era, Hazy, and cuts and – um, you know, like th- this is a this is a, a a flotilla of Australian golfers that range from you know from the forty somethings out there, you know, that that have that have been flying the flag all the way down to the to the late teens, twenty one year olds like like Min, Min Woo Lee, you know, like there's we have got got a very strong contingent of global golfers out there at the moment, and he's one of them. We do, and I think uh, you get the flavour from him there. He's, he's a very good analyzer of every aspect of his game and the world of golf. And as an example, um, Adrian Wickstein, who uh, who works with Golf Australia and, and plays a part in Wade's game, I was talking with him about what uh, a particular young rookie might do next year. Should they play this tournament or that tournament? What's the best option? And Wicky said, oh, I'll ask Wade. And back within a day or two came this massive text message saying, these are your options, I'd do this, this is why. So not only does he analyse his own game, he, he cares about all the others coming through too. That's great to hear. I mean, we, we grew up, didn't we? We grew up as Australian golf fans and, you know, Clates was sort of part of that um, generation of these guys who they did the Tropo Tour together. They went to Europe together. They, there were a bunch of them that went to, uh, to America. We had this sense that... There was a real connection between the Australian players, no matter where they were on the planet. We've sort of got them in a critical enough number now, whether they be on the LPGA Tour or the women, wherever it is, anywhere in the world. We've got enough of them now to get a sense that there's this little gang. There's this gang of Aussies out there who, you know, like maybe they're taking on the world together a little bit. And uh, I don't know, as an Australian sports fan and a golf fan, I kind of like that. Whether I'm making it up in my mind, I'm not sure you two would know more about that than me, but I, I hope that's the case. Matty would definitely know more about it than I will, but I, d- just to hear Wade talk about, you know, Von Nider events and, and things of the past, and they've done the hard yards, these guys. There's no sort of um, flash in the pan. You know, that's where Mark Leishman was for, you know, a couple of years, and he's worked his way progressively up. We all want to see the, the Min Woo's, and we talk about Min Woo. Um, you know, going bang at the start of his career. But the reality is that most of the people come and do the hard yards and pick up their trade as they go through, which is the same in life, to be honest. Mm. And Maddie, Maddie, I, I, as to, to Andy's point, you're there uh, organising those national camps that end up in Houston. They've developed into a real uh, reuniting place for Australian golfers, older, younger, amateur, professional men, women. It doesn't matter, does it? 
no, and Houston's a great example, and it's it's sad. It's the first time it won't be on this year. Um, an example of such is Minji rolled up to um, Houston last year and rolled out onto the putting green and, and was speaking with Richie Smith, her coach, and a lot of the young guys and girls were, were too afraid to go and talk to her. So Richie being Richie said, get over, go on, talk to them, talk to them. And, and within half an hour, they're having a putting comp together and you had a bunch of other pros there with the young amateurs. So that does play a part. But just that grinding on those tours, it's, it's where you learn to play. It's where, you, it's where you learn about your own game. Well, we better wrap it up. There's been a lot on. I'm going to put to you two something that um, we should make note of on the way out today. Um, you know, when you talk about Australian golf, there are some very famous names that uh, have you know, been the cornerstones of the game. Peter Thompson, Greg Norman, Kari Webb, you know, whoever it might be. I put to you that the name Ray Drummond uh, is as synonymous with Australian golf as just about any player that's won major championships or represented us at Olympic Games or World Cups. And we lost, we lost him this week uh, after a long life and an unbelievably successful one in business and the business of golf. Um, a man whose name is synonymous with the game in Australia passed away. He did. I had a set of uh, RD-202s when I was a, a teenager. I loved my RD-202s. <laughs> reasonably, uh, reasonably unforgiving off-centre, but uh, still love them. I actually met Ray Drummond plenty of times, Andy, when he was still in and out of the store that he had in Ballarat, which was one of the – when he sold to become mm. Drummond Golf, there were two stores that were still Ray Drummond Golf. One was in Geelong and one was in Ballarat, and I was in Ballarat at the time working at the – at the courier and, and he still spent a lot of time in and out of the, the, the um, office there. He was great with the boys. Um, they were all good young golfers and they were all aspiring to um, be good golfers and getting his advice on that front, but they're being mentored at the same time in life skills and business skills and all this stuff. Like he's an absolute jet, you know, an extraordinary, extraordinary life. You know, <laughs> his parents entered him in a baby show when he was two, Andy. I don't know if you know this, when he was two years old, he won best baby at the sh- at the royal show in Sydney, the Easter show, because they put this stuff in his hair, curled his hair up, and he looked the cutest baby. He won the Open Baby Championship. Anyway, from that age, he was a he was a prof- <laughs> he was a he was a professional golfer um, by age seventeen, mm. and had a, was involved in a huge car crash. And I want to say he was nineteen or something at the time in the mid fifties, and. Um, you know, we had a severe spinal injury and didn't play golf for the best part of two decades. And then uh, as a real estate salesman in central Victoria, a mate invited him to play. And from then on, he was back into it. And that's where the first store was in Bendigo, the, the Ray Drummond golf store in Bendigo. And from that point on, as you say, his name's been synonymous with Australian golf. Like absolutely no golfers in Australia would not know Drummond Golf. Oh, mate, no, if, if we took a poll of 100% of golfers in Australia who have been playing the game for 10 years, I would think that the percentage of people who have purchased something from a Drummond Golf store would be in the high 90s. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And he was a good player. He was a real, even in his, you know, uh, away from his injury and his, um, you know, elite professional career, what it could have been. He played demo demonstration games with um, Seve Ballesteros and Ian Woosnam and Greg Norman. He, uh, you know, he designed courses. Uh, he's a great mentor for people in business. 
Um, and the last few years of his, he, he designed several courses, and one of them is in this place called, I think it's Halliden, in uh, just near Toowoomba in the Darling Downs, anyhow, in Queensland. Uh, and he designed it with multi-tees so that the three of us could go down and yeah, play right. at our respective levels on a, on a course. You know, Matty might be off the harder tees and you might be off the chopper yeah. tees, Andy, and I might be in the middle somewhere. Yep, yep. That's, about, <laughs> that's about right too. I think you pegged I'm us just, up in the right, in the right tees. No, I'm just, just kidding. But, um, you know, that, that's his fourth foresight. And he was actually the teaching pro there well into his 70s, like late 70s. So, you know, a tremendous life, tremendous yeah, and it's an extraordinary commitment to the game, and it's a name that'll linger uh, in the game forever. Um, right, that's it. It's been packed. A heap of stuff on the show today. Uh, Maddie, disappointed there were no trains in the background today, but uh, uh, nice to see you inside uh, and out of the elements. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Good on you, Hazy. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Murray. Uh, that's been Inside the Ropes, episode 165. We'll be back next week to do it all again.